Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How long gone? A beautiful Tuesday morning in Los Angeles. Uh, me and them jeans are here to podcast for you guys, and I'm Hi. I'm feeling pretty good. We had a, we had a big dinner out last night at, at Mother Wolf, um, which is still delicious. I gotta say, yeah. I, don't, I, I was just talking. We we went with my brother Stewie as well, and he's he doesn't play well with gluten and dairy, and he said he's feeling fine. And I said. As long as the quality of ingredients are there, yeah, you see, yeah, it's not so bad. It sounds like every influence, influencer when they get back from their three week trip in Italy. I actually lost weight. It's fucking crazy. I ate pasta every day. The pasta was delicious, even though I I literally had to listen to Buster Rhymes while I slurped on the cacio e pepe. <laughs> but you know, you can't you can't win them all. Put your hands where my eyes can see. Man, fuck Buster Rhymes. <laughs> um, but how? So you're feeling good too, though. I'm fe- I've, I'm, I've actually been feeling dehydrated the last couple of days. I think I need to go. I'm gonna go get an IV bag before before we have our live show. I need to have like some type of wellness, like a little bonus booster. Maybe I don't know if I need a facial or they they have a beauty bag if you would like. <laughs> they could maybe maybe there's some liquid collagen. I don't know exactly what's in it, but that's just something to consider. Beauty bag. I mean, I I'm I think I'm just straight up dehydrated still, but I don't know. I mean, by by the by then I'll be okay, but I want to look my best for LA, you know. LA is so yeah, we're focused on that here. I think that I think yeah. that some other people uh are feeling dehydrated after seeing these photos of uh Jeremy Allen White by luke guilford in the <laughs> on the cover of british gq man of the year people wanted to our, our opinion on these photos i mean what's the, what's their opinion to give it's cool like it looks good i mean i know luke guilford made him look gay wow crazy yeah, i know i know i, I hope I, you're sitting down the stylist is this guy michael darlington who's so good and like i think that that is that that's i mean i don't know if jeremy allen white's gonna look better you know what I mean? It's the the male yeah. gaze. No, they look they're they're good photos. They look good, but many people are saying that the mood board was taken from our little Troy boy. Yeah, for sure. But that's is that a problem? You know what I mean? Like I, I like <laughs> if that is like I just don't understand. All this man meat is being presented in a pre existing template. Is there a problem, officer? I don't think so. I mean, I think the clothes are are so cool because they're kind of you know it's like a little bit retro-y like it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel um yeah too new but well i mean do you do you do you ever get you know bent out of shape if you see like a you know a shoot or a video or anything where the reference is so clearly been taken from something else do you like as long as it's good you don't give a shit i think if you understand how production works that those two things could have literally been made at the same time if you really, you know what I mean? Like this was probably shot months and months ago. Oh, we're making excuses. Interesting. No, I just think that's how it works. I think that once something is in the zeitgeist, people really try to be like, well, this is first and you know what I mean? But I think the reality that's is not wrong. That's not wrong. That sometimes things happen um, kind of because of, you know, the cosmos. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not accusing the but photographer I know, I mean, I think of stealing, but I mean, that, I'm just saying that's what everyone on the internet is saying today. Yeah. I mean, it does look similar, of course, but I also think that like, oh yeah, putting a bunch of hot ripped gay guys in a locker room is not a new idea. <laughs> um, it was just, uh, it was just, I think the rush thing was such a big moment that it feels like it might be a new idea, but that is not a new idea. So Chris is okay with plagiarism. No problem. Okay. Let's move on to the next <laughs> subject. Uh, just kidding. We don't have to move on for the next subject. Jeremy, come on the pod. Uh, I, don't, I don't, um, even, well, what do you think about Jeremy and, um, Queen Rosalia? I mean, maybe Jeremy don't come on the pod unless you want to get a two piece from them jeans. I like I like him with Rosalia, but I think that he should probably be out here 
spreading his seed if if you know like if if, if well how do you know they don't have an open relationship <laughs> i mean that's true i i don't find <laughs> i don't what do you think jeremy allen white and rosalia talk about that's the real question do you think they can understand each other or do you think it's just pure i think they lust? talk about fa- uh farmer's market flowers <laughs> Farm- yeah farmer's market okay smoking yeah <laughs> Basically, what we talk about on this podcast. I guess that's true. Their, their relationship is them talking. Have about, you tried these Hestias? Yeah, I mean that that does feel accurate. Um, but I do the pictures of them shopping for flowers. That feels like uh, you know hashtag relationship. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. feel like it doesn't feel like uh, we're hitting community goods for a latte after a long night yeah, out. Yeah, but if y- if you, you are. A toxic golden retriever boyfriend. That's exactly the type of love bombing that you would do. Is after you yeah. do your little stick and poke sesh the night before, <laughs> then then you go to the farmers market. And I know this lady that does these really good arepas. Do you guys have those in your country? <laughs> and then from that point, Wait, I mean, have you tried the Pita Brothers? It is. I mean, it's honestly beyond. <laughs> it's beyond. Look, I know you've tried hummus, but not like this. You've never had hummus like this. You guys call you guys you guys have salsa, but hummus is different. I mean, maybe I don't know what his taste in music is. Maybe they talk about you know. Oh, his taste in music. I early, think. Is, do you think he's a, a a fan of Bjork's earlier or later work? I think his music taste is Uncle Polly music taste is really? kind. Of, yes, I think he's like a because I think that's his whole. He's listening fan. to the Fushnickens. I think he's yeah. I think he's Queens represent, uh-huh. and I think that that means he's probably listening to a lot of you know, Capadonna oh, and wow. maybe some Mob Mob Deep. Maybe maybe he likes the new version of that, which is like West Side Gun. You know, maybe he's branched. Do you think out, there's a but- strong chance that he is like a little bit better at breakdancing than he needs to be? <laughs> You know what I mean? You're like, damn, he's kind of he's kind of low key nice he's, with it. He's kind of low key, like Vincent Gallo style. Like, oh shit, all right, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. legs, go off. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's possible. Crazy legs. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it out of. The, I wouldn't put it out of the question. Shout out to I crazy mean, legs. Sorry for capping you back in the day. Do you think that? Do you think that he is kind of respectful to the five elements? Is that what you're saying? Oh, of course, of course. Okay. But I mean, we are too. We are too. I want to be very clear. We are too. He has good core strength. And he's lower to the ground. So whereas I'm more of the graph DJ guy, he's he's gonna have to fill in the the breaking gaps. I, I, I mean, you can't win it. It's 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 a team sport, hip hop. I mean, I can't okay? wait to see this. I can't. No, I know. That's why. <laughs> that's why Wu Tang has 14 members. I can't wait <laughs> to see this movie with him and him and um, Big Chin Efron doing their thing big chin efron oh the, where they play the the wrestling guys the wrestling brothers yes yes where they're just buff wrestling brothers it reminded me of early episodes of like snooki and what was the show called that snooki was on <laughs> jersey, jersey shore jersey Shore. i mean it should just be called the snooki show but yeah. yeah jersey shore when you would watch that and and they would all sort of unapologetically talk about how they're only sexually attracted to like big dumb lunks like meatheads i forgot what they had the word for it but i i think that this movie will sort of create a rise oh you think it's going to bring back that kind of look and style yeah meathead lunk head though that's that will be trending on on uh on luke's mood board that's a for for spring summer i think you might be right about that i mean they look pretty they they look pretty swole and tan in the promo photos but i I bet it gets even crazier in i mean they they look like balloon like when you inflate the balloon animal a little too much and like the eyes kind of start spreading (laughs) apart (laughs) or like you're just so you have so many muscles that are muscling and and, and that your your body is just sort of constantly holding on for dear life these sound like mountain goat lyrics. <laughs> I, I, when I was walking the dog with Carolyn this morning, I was like, yeah, mountain goats are on, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what do they sound like? And I started like getting in my pitchfork bag. And I'm like, well, they actually have. And she's like, no, no, no. Like the animal. Like if like, is it like, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll save that one for him. We'll save that one for him. All right. Yeah, we do. We, yeah, our guest today uh, is uh john darnielle from the mountain goats um who's been i mean he's been making records for like 30 years there's a new one out now called jenny from thebes yeah um but he's also a a pretty acclaimed author mm-hmm. um and uh a, an actor as well he's done he's done a few things uh in front of the camera oh, yeah he's 
he, they've only released 22 albums. Yeah, yeah, it's been a so. yeah, yeah, it's been a short run. Um, yeah, 22 records. But uh, he lives in Durham, North Carolina, one of America's most charming musical cities. Uh, which I yeah, that's right. Durham. Um, so let's give him let's give him a buzz. Let's give this fucking goat a jingle. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. What's happening? So you're not feeling great? Uh, no, I've been sick. I, I can't. It's like, do you have kids? No. So once you get once you get kids, you basically live your life in a in a constant state of between illnesses, and uh, and so I got sick at the end of the last tour, had to cancel a date, came home sick as a dog, but my wife had stuff going on, so I sort of had to just land and be the guy, right? <laughs> uh, got got well in time to go do three shows in Texas. And as soon as I got back, I was like, I'm a little more tired than I ought to be. I got sick again. I'm on decongestants right now, so I kind of feel wired. But uh, okay. I like I like that. Okay. I like oh, yeah. I like feeling wired. <laughs> you don't need me at more wired than my normal. <laughs> okay, so you're 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 rocking wired most of the time. Yeah, no, I I, I especially when I talk to people, I sort of get um I get all you'll notice. I, I, I just ramp. I think I think pitchfork called it uh brain boil your brain begins to boil i think i use the term myself but uh but, okay okay but but yeah no if you talk to me i tend to it's like it's something the thing is it, it's a thing that interviewers like about me and then i leave an interview feeling like well you did it again you just sort of yammered and yammered it's like, it's like <laughs> if i see somebody interviewed who's like really good and considerate with their answers like those are the people i envy it's like who you know like who who pause for a moment before they answer. I know I'll never be that person, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but I look up to them. Okay, are you one of those people that says that's a really good question, and then you go on for eleven <laughs> minutes, or do you just answer it? Uh, well, I say it if it's a question I think is good. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> no, because I mean, that's what something I'll do if I notice. Like, oh, that's a good question. I don't know, you know. And then, but then those are the ones I have to think about on the fly, you know. Mm. And I I think it's basically that I'm uncomfortable with silences, you know. Yeah. Good. Uh, you're in the right place. 
I know the age of the podcast is the age of zero silences, right? But like, <laughs> but, but you yeah. read like the great, you know, religious thinkers that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, meditative texts and like, oh, but it'd be great if we would like, I, my friend Joel had a, a an idea for a, a, I think it was a zine at the time where you'd, you, you'd only listen to one record but you'd write about only that record in every issue of the zine, right? So it's, like, it's like the only record you're listening to, <laughs> or you, or you listen to it for five years and then you publish, right? So, oh wow, okay, okay. So it's a long, long. Yeah, these form, are profoundly un- long-form record reviews. Yeah, I like these ideas. I, uh, I like you know, these are profoundly uncommercial ideas. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to mention yeah, that yeah. part. Like, use yes. your illusion. Use your illusion to the magazine every month. It's about. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I really like sick. I like that idea. I mean, for me, the album would probably be Marcus Garvey by Burning Spear. But uh, okay, but whatever. It's like if you're continually returning to a text, eh, it's so much more interesting than the cycle, right? Even though I'm talking to you because I have a new record out, right? But uh, yeah, the longer you stick around in this business, the more you think there are a lot of ways we could have done this. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. I like the Burning Spear reference. You're you're a bit of a Rasta, yeah? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Uh, I, I've been around. I mean, Rastafarianism is a pretty historically located thing, but I listen to a lot of reggae. Historically located thing, I like that. Have you always have you always listened to a lot of reggae? No, when I was in high school, I was a giant hater. Um, all my all my friends, I knew a lot of people who were into it, and it, it seemed you know it's like white stoners getting into reggae. But then when you become a musician and you're in the business, you talk to some recording engineers, and you go, oh. They'll say, you know, that's some of the most incredible recording ever envisioned, right? And also mm-hmm. the musicianship on those records. It's not it's not wanky, right? It's like often when we think of good musicianship, we think of show-offs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, reggae musicians is the opposite of that, right? They, uh, uh, they're playing in four almost always, right? Uh, and they're playing uh, fairly simple compositions, right? But... They're they're very much they compare to to Bakersfield era country musicians, right? That they that they are just some of the most uh, exacting musicians you're going to run into. They can they can play a straight four without a metronome and never miss, mm. you know, not not waver in timing at all. These are like you know ascended master level skills. And I got the I had the good fortune when we were making the Sunset Tree. Uh, there was a reggae band called Groundation that had flown Horsemouth Wallace in from Jamaica. Now this is a legendary drummer. I believe he's on Marcus Garvey, but he's played. Uh, on a million regular amazing recordings. name amazing name. getting to watch this guy work who never reports like their sessions weren't starting until midnight we were in the studio adjacent right they were in the a room <laughs> and they didn't start work until 11 or 12 so crazy <laughs> it was like we would be wrapping up and then we'd go over and watch horsemouth do his thing but watching these this guy just like start to play and you realize the space that's in a simple four four i don't know if either of you are musicians but like uh i'm familiar with the Time sig. So to just play four, right, is actually a discipline, right? And you stop thinking about that as you get more and more. You think, well, more complex drumming is better, but complex isn't better. What's What's amazing is to play a beat that serves the song, right? That's what's incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Ringo Starr effect. Well, Ringo Starr, yeah, he's an incredible drummer. Um, I've been thinking about Ringo Starr all day, actually. Um, but uh, <laughs> Ringo on the brain. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, everybody's talking about the Beatles this week, but uh, but. Uh, but I think a lot, you know, I think a lot about Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> Ringo Starr is like a good, good object object for medication. As I warned you, once I get going, it gets hard to to break what in. Is, so if you have questions, feel free. What did you think? What What do you think That's about good. the new Beatles song and how oh, they, you know, how they put it together? It's not really a Beatles song, right? <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I like that Ed Ruscha did the artwork. That's probably my favorite part. Um, but I, I do, yeah, I, I don't think, like, why do you think that had to happen? Do, they don't need to make any more money. Well, this is or do what you I've think been, Paul was driving it? I think this is a very complicated question, and it is what I've been thinking about all day. Um, I mean, in, in a sense, it has nothing to do with why? the listening public, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I feel like, it, it, to me, it could be the work of, like, one of those A&R guys or, like, a, a guy who's worked in the record industry for a long time and this is sort of his like white whale get like this is him buying a boat like i finally i released a fucking beatles song baby well yeah but i don't think i don't think those guys have paul mccartney's ear you know i don't, I don't yeah. think i don't think those guys have any i mean nobody has any sway with him i don't think anybody can get near him and go hey i had this idea what if you did this what can you <laughs> offer that guy you can't offer him anything right so it has to come from him and star 
having an idea about this. I suspect Star is just amenable to it, you know. I mean, I think you do get a little more agreeable as you age if you're wise, you know. Star doesn't have a whole lot going on right now. He's kind of, kind of cruising. Well, but he's fine, you know. It's like they're all just fine. You of know? course, but, he's fine. But the but, he's, uh, he's but the thing is, is like it's not a good song. It's not. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's not. not like that's some, the problem. Well, because here's the thing: is like when when uh, Grant McClellan died, right? Robert Forster found a song of his that called Demon Days that was sitting around. Mm. I don't know if you know the go-betweens, legendary mm -hmm. uh, Australian band. And uh, and McLennan died uh, unexpectedly, and he left behind a, a lyric, a half-finished lyric called Demon Days, and Forster finished it. And it's utterly beautiful. It's just an a, a aching song that, that cries out to be finished. That's not this, right? This is very clearly <laughs> yeah. a demo that John yeah. Lennon didn't think really was worth finishing. And right? weren't and there, weren't there? I think there's like John Lennon quotes <laughs> saying like this sucks. Yeah, I mean, when when artists say things like that, then people often will say something like, "Oh, the artist doesn't always know what's good." You know, it's a very popular thing for people to say when they're like exhuming stuff that an artist clearly would have been embarrassed to share. You know, they go, "Well, artists often yeah, don't yeah, know their best yeah. work," but no one is ever going to call this some of the Beatles' best work. It's kind of so it's. It's embarrassing in that way, but I like to imagine a bunch of different stories about it. Sure. Yeah, I think that I think that's a fun way to do it. But yeah, we can't. I mean, people just can't leave it alone. You know, whether it's Paul McCartney or whether it's a whoever it is. Like, I, I just think that the the it feels forced. It feels unnecessary. I think I think r rich dads need stuff to watch on TV. <laughs> and that you know when that doc came out well we sort of there's a lot of tv around you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know uh we're not exactly living in we're not lacking for tv of, is what you're saying we're not in a content desert no that's right uh and so so i think it has to do with i would imagine if you were in the beatles nice you're continually recontextualizing your relationship to that past and to, if you're if you're a human being you're always thinking about your relationship to your youth that's part of being mm -hmm. human right and they were very young when that happened, really young guys, you know, imagine that, uh, unimaginable, right? Yeah. And as they head off toward, you know, death, they're, all, they're both quite old, I imagine that they want to, they don't want to be done thinking about that, you know, mm -hmm. they want to find some new way of thinking about it. That's, that's one way I like to think of it. Is this an end of your life crisis, not a midlife crisis? Oh, I don't think it's a crisis. <laughs> I, th I, I think it's more just, and I, I think it's something to do, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing you got to do as you age. You have to do stuff, right? You have to stay busy. Yeah. You have to stay, stay, stay engaged. And so in that way, it is an engagement. But, but I mean, the, the text that it springs from is so clearly not finished. They should have written new lyrics. They should have, you know, I don't know. But on the other hand, if it's making people who enjoy it happy, what do I care? It's like, it's not like I think they shouldn't have done it or something, you know. Uh, it's a cold world. If, <laughs> you know, I know what and you people, mean. <laughs> you know, people love the Beatles. They're very excited. So, you know, I don't want to be. You know, you don't want to be the the asshole. You don't want to poo poo. Well, the asshole second grader who shows up and says, "You know, there's no Santa, right?" Fuck that kid. You know, <laughs> sure, <laughs> an asshole, sure. You know, uh, but but it really <laughs> is transparently the case. Like this is not. You can't cite one song the Beatles released that isn't better than this. You know? <laughs> that's a okay. So it's at the that's bottom a very of the good list. way to look at it. When you break it down like that, it makes a lot of sense. I was reading a, a that a, a, that Pitchfork interview with the brain boiling. And you yes. mentioned um, a song called For the Krishna Core Bands. I was yes. wondering if you could raw, uh, rate your top five Krishna Core Bands dead or alive. <laughs> oh, there's, there aren't five working. Uh, there was, <laughs> I said dead or alive. There was Shelter and there was 108, right? Those are the main ones. Damn. Um, Those are the big boys. Those are the big boys. Uh, after that, I'd be hard-pressed to name a third. I don't know. I know that Shelter recently played, which is really exciting. Um, and... Uh, and I think 108, or was it 108? They played with Judge, right? There were like two shows or so in Boston, New York. The footage is pretty amazing. Look, Jay, we're just happy that you said the words 108 on this podcast. Yeah, know? that's. Oh, are, you, are you guys fans? Uh, no, I mean, you know, we just, were around. It's just for such, it. it's just such an obscure band that may. I mean, no, I'm sure. There's 15 guys listening to this right now who are like, oh, fuck yeah, they're talking about 108. Well, 108 <laughs> and everyone else a, is going to have no idea. They made a later record around 2005 that was closer to metalcore. It was really pretty good. But I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you list, if you found, a, I've never released that song, but I'm really fond of that song. You know, it's a, it's one of my better lyrics. So, because because it's about, you know, punk rock, one of the things it is, is a snapshot of who you were when you were young, right? That's, yeah. that's what happens is you do your punk thing. Mm -hmm. And but in the case of those guys, they really take it to the wall. They do something they either have to stay committed to for life, or look at your own zeal when you were younger. You know, and it's like I had a lot of respect for those bands and how you know they got shit on a lot for being you know pretty conservative. You know, yeah. but like they're doing something. You know, they're 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 looking for something transcendent, which I, I think is great. 
the the shelter and 108 t-shirts are still going for 300 online so if you got any you know something to think about i don't know you know wow. it's, it's wow. yeah That's i guess amazing. like in the 80s and 90s you know krishna just at, in general was a real kind of punchline across the board you know and well yeah I for mean, them it, to hold strong it was impressive most people don't know much about it i was actually uh like tangentially involved in iskon which is the the Hare Krishna people is the International Society for Christian Consciousness. It's gone. They catered my wedding, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I was and I used to chant. <laughs> that is not where I. That's not where I saw that going. Oh, no, how many uh, how many buckets of ghee did you guys go through? Oh, I still use ghee. Uh, ghee is like the best cooking medium. But uh, yeah. if you're not if you're not vegan, um, yeah, I remember we would go eat at the. Uh, the Krishna Temple in Laguna Beach, California. Oh wow, that's a very obscure one because the main one's in Venice, right? That's where uh, New Golaka is, I think it is, uh, or no, which one is it? I can't remember what it's called, but that's. I, that's I couldn't the, tell you. The one in LA is the one in Venice is the one that catered our wedding. We were in Southern California, and the beauty of it is, you know, oh, the way they think of their food is that they are like this is what I'll go on about this all day. So in in the Catholic <laughs> Church, right, when you take communion right uh you don't get the benefit of taking communion unless you understand that that god is present in the host right mm -hmm. that's a, a key part of the teaching if you do not discern and believe that god is there you are very much not supposed to take it and in no fact, soup there's for one, you there's one line that says you you eat communion to your eternal damnation if you don't discern god in the host the christians do not think of it this way at all awkward the way they think of it is look we offered this food to god God has transformed it. Everyone who eats it gets the benefit whether they believe it or not, right? Yeah. I love that. That's a great teaching, right? And it, and it's food distribution. That's a great thing to do is give away food, right? So so uh so yeah, it was like that's uh, that's what, you know, when everybody at the wedding eats the food and says it's the best food they've ever had at a wedding, which it totally was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was on the what was on the menu if you don't mind walking us through? Um I I mainly remember the samosas and the coconut chutney. There were like three chutneys. Ooh. Um there were lots of samosas. There was a subji, you know, which is a stew like cauliflower and carrots and uh yeah. I've never had, I will say like, I've never had a stew at a wedding. That's a, that's the first time I've ever heard of a, a stew. I mean it's just it's not different from having just you know like like some potato roasted potatoes yeah, or lexan yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same Yeah, I, I remember eating a lot of kind of boiled potatoes with some type of curry thingy and we were all we were all vegan and we'd be like damn this food is so good and then we learned why eventually that yeah that was that was, was it was drowned in ghee yes the exposure <laughs> the exposure to this was all because they would come to hardcore show i'm from atlanta they would like come to hardcore shows yeah well there's an atlanta temple i've actually been to that one too yes. uh that was a yes. big one um so i mean that's where that's where the scenes develop is is where if there was a good temple did it, you ever have the haircut I could no, really no. see you I, with it. I, I, I had beads that I carried <laughs> everywhere, but I wasn't I wasn't that involved. I was just a member. I was uh there's ways of uh it's called Grihasta Ashrama, is if you uh if you're a householder, right, then you then you're living your householder life and you're and you're you know, it's just like being a, a lay person in, in Christianity. Um okay. so uh so yeah, but I, I had the beads that I would go to the temples. I've I've been to the I've been to the temples worldwide, actually. I've been to, to ones in New Zealand and, and Australia and stuff. I'm not involved anymore. It's like mm -hmm. it's sort of you know it, it, it was just I'm 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 a Jesus guy again now. But uh, what <laughs> what are the uh, what are the rules against uh, substance abuse and things like that in 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 the Krishna world? So there's what are called the four regulations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let me see if I can remember them. It's been a long time. Um, it's no, I mean, no illicit substances, which is uh, caffeine, uh, alcohol, tobacco. Right and mm -hmm. and and other drugs, right? It's like you're not supposed to be to, tough. No, no, no stimulants, no, you know, just just uh, it's straight edge basically, right? Yeah. And I think all the Krishna core guys came to it from straight edge, right? I think that's where they. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is like, I think if you look at it in terms of just you know of their personal needs rather ideologies, you'd say if you're in straight edge and it's still not satisfying your need to be austere with yourself, right? It's like you want, <laughs> you want, you know, it it. it it speaks to a need for a lot of order in your life, right? Uh, yeah. To me, wow. what's ironic about that is that, you know, the way I think of God is like God does not come to give you order. I know a lot of American Christians think of it that way, but like yeah. God is kind of chaotic from a human standpoint. Like God is, you know, the whole point of God is that it's incomprehensible, right? And so uh, and you try and stand before that incomprehensible thing and, and situate yourself there. But but this need, I think, is the straight edge need is the, is the desire to, to be ordering your own life, to be able to to state 
very clear boundaries. And I think there's a lot of comfort in that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the straight edge guys would go, no, this is not, this is still not restrictive enough. <laughs> so, so you're <laughs> we no need more. We need more rules. I always, I always thought that it was, it was. I mean, there's when you said that, you made a lot of points, and I agree with that. And it was, I was like, damn, is is John available to be my new therapist? I, I need a, a straight edge whisperer to go through my early childhood trauma. But I always thought of Krishna as a nice escape for people who wanted to live that lifestyle, but in a more nonviolent way, because everyone, you know, part of being straight edge was being a tough guy and beating up and getting in fights and shit. Yes. And they were a little more yeah, no, that's you know, right. smoothly, passively cruising through life in a nice no, it's way. It's a lot less chuddy. That's right. It's a lot chuddy. less, you know, but it's no meat, fish, or eggs, no gambling, no intoxicants, and no sex outside of marriage, right? Okay. Um, the no sex outside of marriage thing wasn't obeyed that much in the scene that I was in, sure. but it was part of the conversation. Well, and in fairness, uh, the pussy can be poisoned straight edge kind of scenes, whether you're having sex or not is kind of a secondary concern, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you, you know, want, I mean, if you want to claim all that stuff on your taxes, go ahead, but, you know. I mean, I, I, I say this with love for you know the sci-fi community but like if you if you go to like the i don't know the 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 robert heinlein convention and say okay you guys stop having so much sex you're really not at risk of pissing off that many people (laughs) yeah that's not you you got it boss you got it yeah that's not going to create waves in the community speaking of uh speaking of whatever it was that you just said that collection of words that neither chris or i understand if uh, I, I also know that you're a fan of the Magic the Gathering. Is that, yes. is that still happening? In fact, I was playing it. The reason I was late to this call is that uh, I, was, I was having a hard time beating the guy who I beat. You be- on, on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're saying you were late to, to record with us because you kind of had to mop up the floor with one of your Magic the Gathering opponents. That is correct. If I had a dollar every time this, <laughs> this cursed card game has affected our small business, I tell you what. <laughs> Um, well, what I wanted to do was, well, I'm, I'm familiar with the game. I, I played it when I was younger with my brother and, uh, we had a fun time with it. Chris, it does. He is not in the world of, of sci-fi card games, fantasy, any of I'm going to be honest with you, John. I don't really understand any of that stuff. Um, but, but I feel like John is the perfect man for the job. If you were to sort of do an elevator pitch, if you had to sell somebody on, on magic, the gathering, who is a skeptic, what, what would you do? I mean, the thing is, I'm not a salesman, so I often don't. I, I don't really try and sell people on stuff. I go, well, if it seems appealing to you, then then here's what I like about it. But I feel like you're you're a smart enough guy to accidentally sell something, somebody on something, even when you're not trying. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing about magic that is interesting about it once you get inside it is that there are a lot of different reasons to like it. It's not like, oh, here's what people like about magic. Some people are very into the lore because it takes place inside of a great big fantasy world. In fact, several of them. They don't they don't necessarily always intersect, but there's these very long story arcs. You know, if you're like a Star Wars person, it's not Star Wars, but if you like following a story that goes on and has many mm-hmm. sub things, you know, various, you know, it's got this long, long developing story with all these, you know, it's all inside of a very fantasy situation but also the artwork you know if you liked that kind of art you get to engage with it and have new stuff and new visions and stuff but it's also it's just math right like i've actually seen the prototype cards i gotta say you're not selling it math is math okay i'm not that's not but but oh, I, I would like to hear you out sorry please continue well, i mean the, it, the thing is chess is just math right uh True. Any, most games are just math um but but magic really is practical practically applied mathematics you have 20 points uh, or 20 life i have 20 life right i'm trying to grind you down to 20 but the way that you navigate that is it, it's within the context of a story it takes a while to understand that you're just doing math but you are just doing math <laughs> yeah but but also like like you know another card game where it's also you know like blackjack could be math if you're counting the counting the deck or counting the cards blackjack is absolutely just math yeah yeah but it also involves strategy sure and and psyching people out and i think that's the angle that is it would be more of a selling point for for somebody like chris maybe but the thing is like 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 craps is my favorite game of the casino it's also just math mm-hmm. right it's like it's it's probably it's probability right when we say math if you think about math class that's different from understanding that mathematics is a language and it's a really complicated language i'm not good at it right uh but i can perceive yeah you know that there's there's actually uh uh a remarkable way of addressing the problem of language from inside of, of math, right? But but in magic, the the uh, the pleasure of it is learning how to do these calculations on the fly, right? If you've ever 
if you're like me and you weren't good at math, but at some point, like, and this happened in algebra, it happened in logic for me, where where you go, oh fuck, I'm getting it. I I, I can it see clicks. it, right? And and you're sitting there and you think you've got it. Come the final exam, you don't actually have it, right? But <laughs> but, but you have that moment where you go, oh man, this must be why those math guys lose their minds because this is really cool to see how that works, right? And I remember that happening in algebra, really thinking, oh, I could get there. And then the, the following week, I was out of my depth, you know. But uh, but in in magic, once you can do all these things on uh, on you know the order of priority, where like you do something and I do something in response, and we watch all that resolve, right? Mm -hmm. It's really fun. It's especially fun in paper to me because like now everybody plays online on Arena. And uh, the CPU does most of the work for you in that. Mm. But when it's person to person, it's kind of a sort of a flex thing where it's like you have to know what you're doing and I have to know what I'm doing, right? It's like DJing on vinyl. Kind of, yeah. It's like we're we're, we're doing <laughs> no, it together. Kind of exactly. But there's also there's a, the other thing. This is the other thing in Magic. There is a sense of community, right? There's like people have to teach you to play. But you still want to crush your your opponent. Well, it depends on who you are. Um, With a handshake at the end, of course. The thing is, I don't care if I lose at all. This is what makes me a bad Magic player. Uh, is is I just like to have fun playing and do dumb stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> mm. So. So you're not betting money. You're not you're not going to lose the house on a game. Oh no, no, no. There hasn't been betting involved since the very early days of the game. I thought maybe um, there was some underground card room style, you know, um, gambling. I think I think people will sometimes maybe race for pinks as they would say where you well, might people bet. People play for the cards, yeah. Play they, for the cards, yeah. But now is your collection of cards is this like in the safe because you're on the computer oh, no. or are you trying to do it more IRL? No, I mean I have a bunch of cards but I'm not a collector, I'm a hoarder. So my cards just go in boxes and stuff. They're 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 wasted on me and somebody who would take better care of them should have them. But uh <laughs> but uh on the computer they're just virtual cards. You you don't actually own them. But but they, they could be your collection could be worth thousands of dollars potentially though, yeah. Yeah, I mean I have a lot of cards. I, I but I don't I, I've only been playing since twenty eighteen, I think, twenty nineteen. So oh, okay. so I I don't have the You're a fucking noob. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, compared to like, you know, the early players, the, the first set, the 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 alpha and beta sets, those are the ones where the crazy card values come from. Now, when you got into this was it because you were in a low point on tour and you needed to occupy your mind or were you just drawn to it? Oh no, so the people who own it, Wizards of the Coast, um uh <laughs> they I I announced an album at their headquarters, the album called In League with Dragons. And uh, and like drug dealers, they gave me some magic cards when I left. Right? They said, "Oh, here's some magic cards." They want you to. They <laughs> so want you to take home. a little a sniff of their supply, see how good it is. Well, that's what it is because I came home. My friend Clinton, who had played, you know, I said, "Let's meet up and, and teach me how to play this game." And there's these things called starter decks. Clinton's like, "You don't want to do this, man. So, <laughs> don't open that pack." Most people, most people sort of go through it. Magic is a phase for a lot of people. You, you'll meet many people. Oh. Who say, oh my god, I had so many cards. I played so much, you know. And then I sort of moved on. And then I turned 13 and, and moved on with my life. <laughs> yeah, well, I, no, they have to move. <laughs> it's really funny. No I, offense, I, I did no get offense. my ass handed to me by an 11 year old at the store once. It was really great. <laughs> 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 that's real. That's really funny actually but but the thing is like this is what it's hard to understand if you don't know any of the rules but like so one way i can win is by grinding your life score down to zero right but another way i can win is by what's called milling right does that mean anything to either of you that sounds like one of jason's kitchen terms but go ahead right. it's what i've done in that a lot in hotel lobbies across the world so <laughs> So the first thing you have to do in Magic on your turn, right? The first thing you are required by the rules of the game to do is draw a card from your library, right? Mm -hmm. If you have no cards in your library, then you can't draw a card and you lose the game, right? So if I mill you, it just means I'm trying to get you to throw all your cards into the into your graveyard and arrange such a state of affairs that you can't get any of them back, right? Is there any analog to that in other games like baseball? Kind of. It's defense. I'm trying to stop you from scoring. It's like fouling out, I guess. Or I guess cricket maybe but more no, so. It's, not. It would, it's literally like taking away your equipment, right? It's like, well, you can't, <laughs> We're going to do this with no gloves. You don't have a bat, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, oh, okay. And, uh, and milling is like everyone hates it. Everyone hates it so right. much because... You sit there and watch your library go down to zero, and then and people usually quit before that happens. They see it coming. Uh, I like to play mill. People, people will call that a pusher on the tennis court. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and like, but also in Magic there are these color identities, right? Each color has its own 
thing that it does. Milling is blue, right? If you're playing blue cards, you're milling, you're playing what's called control, where I play on your turn. I try to stop you from playing your game. People dislike this. I think it's great, right? Because most, <laughs> most you know, most games don't have a... You don't have the option of choosing. Well, there's a thing like the 80... It was the 85 Bears... The ones where it was like it was the defense. It wasn't that they were running up to score so much. It was that they the were stopping was everyone from scoring. Crushing, yeah, right? yeah. That's my preferred style of play. My preferred boxers are the ones you can't hit, right? Um, not not the ones with the great big punches, right? Uh, I mean, I like Sonny Liston a lot, but uh, and he had an amazing punch. But the but the most interesting boxers are Ali, right? So when he's ducking and weaving, and you watch somebody throw nineteen punches at him and none of them land, mm. that's exciting, right? So sweet science, baby. Yeah, totally. Okay, so you're more of a sniper, less of a bulldog. Yeah, although so the 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 color of what's called burn is red, and that's where I'm just trying to do damage to your face. <laughs> you can get pretty into that. It's like fun a, 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 the thing is, a blue game lasts a long time, and usually you quit because you are frustrated with my play style. If I'm playing blue, a red game lasts about two minutes, ideally, because the mm -hmm. red player has just done so much damage so quickly that uh, that it's over. Right? Right. And that's and there's it, It's kind of, it's very gonzo. It's very fun. Yeah, and both can be enjoyable. And the thing is, so you see how it is very much like sports, right? It doesn't have the physical aspect of sports, but it does have the strategy aspect of sports where you ask yourself, what what do I like in a player? You know, it's like my, you know, like I like Zach Grinke of the Kansas City Royals, right? A guy, a guy with a really crazy uh, screwball or slow ball, right? That, that I like that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But some people like, you know, uh, uh, what was his name? The Atlanta Braves dude, Rocker, John Rocker, guy who's just like throwing it as hard as he possibly can yeah i'm more of a rocker and that's not to say i'm like a trump guy but i am more of a rocker guy <laughs> oh yeah in no, this in this instance i respect it you know i like randy johnson a lot randy johnson's main thing was like i'm gonna drive a four by four out to the pitcher's mound and i'm going to throw the ball as hard as i can and so, so you know i mean <laughs> the his turn i mean i'm sure you're familiar with this because you sound like a baseball fan but i used to be yeah his his um his turn into a like pretty accomplished sports photographer has been really interesting to watch. I don't know if you're aware of that. I just just peripherally, but it's very satisfying because you know if you are a bookish person, there's sort of a tradition in sports fans of, of a certain type of sports fan like me to want your sports guy to to secretly be kind of intellectual. You know, sure, you want to think they're more than they are, and sometimes you're rewarded with that. Sometimes you're rewarded. I mean, I think you know. I suspect Greg Maddox reads books. You know, uh, Greg Maddox does feel like a book guy. I would agree right? with he you. Feels on like that. a book guy. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe John Grisham, but still books. You know, it counts. Yeah, still books are books. You know, it's books like are uh, books. Uh, and it, it's true. I don't. There's no. You know, many of the, the smartest. I agree with you. Can't. I mean, especially in today's in today's society where reading is um, really not. Uh, part of the conversation like it used to be i think anything counts well it's true but also like like i read what you'd expect i would read like you know stuff that's kind of kind of thorny but but <laughs> but the intellectuals i look up to they like mysteries <laughs> right they like really like argentinian oh my god borges borges loved mysteries all these argentinian writers they just love mysteries because you can inside of a mystery actually be doing a lot of really rarefied stuff but the reader doesn't have to engage it at that level if he doesn't want to there's a sicilian mystery writer named shasha uh, s-c-i-a s-c-i-a who like is writing mafia stories but often they have very unsatisfying endings they just sort of like drift off and it's very like it's, yeah there's a whole tradition of sort of bookish people liking mysteries oh I, I didn't i didn't know that i'm not a big mystery guy myself but oh, I, i've been getting pretty into him i've been uh actually <laughs> i've been reading mickey spillane who's like totally the the you know the fastball version of a mystery writer there's not a lot of subtlety and nuance in spillane <laughs> okay yeah my grandma read mystery novels every night i guess once you're once you've done it all that's sort of the advanced level they are fun but there's also i mean the thing is there's also uh, most of what i read is literature and translation and and globally mysteries are a lot of different things right uh, south american mysteries are one thing norwegian ones are another. you mean like the style of them they're the they're all under the mystery like. umbrella but there's some just like nuance. music no exactly yeah. like music there's different scenes and things that countries are are into and like here in the u.s we invented hard-boiled stuff right which is like you know cops beating up suspects until they get a confession well now french writers like uh, manchette or uh, take this idea and kind of complicate it because they're also bookish people. So they think, what could you do with this if I was kind of a little more more of the academy, right? Not and, as ham-fisted as us Americans over yeah, there. Yeah, although Manchette's really bloody. Manchette stuff is like incredibly... <laughs> a lot of people get shot in the first few pages of a Jean-Paul uh, Manchette book. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why I'm not super into... I'm not super into like 
violence, I guess maybe, but I do think that it has a violence has a place in a mystery. Obviously that's a, like an element. Oh yeah. It depends on, but, but it doesn't have to, uh, you know, it's like, mm. uh, a lot of the, well, there's what are called cozy mysteries. Go on. <laughs> and, uh, and cozy ones are ones where you never see the body, right? Uh, the body doesn't come on stage. Mm. Uh, oh and, uh, okay and it's a whole at the edgar awards i got my book got nominated for the uh edgar this year so i went to the i got to go to the ceremony which is rare because usually i'm on tour if something like this happened <laughs> but uh congratulations but they have a whole category for the cozy uh, i by the way i called him uh jean paul manchette but it's jean patrick manchette i know your listeners are probably out well they're writing all this that. stuff down uh, as fast as they can so thank you for that correction <laughs> i'll clean that up in post don't worry yeah we're gonna make you look great thank don't you, worry I, about it I don't worry about that. it i know I you don't like, like to do like a more uh, <laughs> I, I know you don't like to stack your vocals but i might have to on this one move some things around <laughs> let's just punch in on jean yeah, can we punch in <laughs> thank you very patrick i'd rather said. not i'd rather not <laughs> no, it's a, i gotta i gotta stand by my original take but uh but so yeah so the cozy mystery doesn't have doesn't have blood and bodies in it right is it uh, does it is it actually called a cozy mystery that's, yeah, that's the, a category the literal that's category a, yeah that's, a that's category. so uh that's kind of adorable i guess it, it yeah it's totally very is. quaint it, it's uh it, it, but it really paints a picture but are, a, but the mystery like i like that it, it's a, it's it's all still about people being murdered but it's still cozy. When I hear cozy mystery, it's like, where did I put my AirPods? Oh, they're in my blankie. Like that's what, <laughs> that's where my brain is going, you know? Yeah, the word but, cozy. Like, I, I can't find my matcha. But you're yeah. saying, yeah, it's not it's not about your cashmere blanket being so cozy. <laughs> it's about it's about not like, those Pilates socks. The the good ones. It's those about are, violence, but just it's in a it's in a more palatable way for someone. Well, that it's may... also more about finding solutions, right? I, mean, I think most oh. cozy mysteries are like locked door mysteries where there's a body in a room and you don't know how anybody got in or out right and uh and and solving that so it's uh you know, so it's a it's, game of clue on the on the page yeah totally well, i mean i'm here to crack the case not not to have the jump scares and see some organs hanging out and no it's more you about know, the fun i don't of, need that it's, it's like sudoku or 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 uh what's the one we all do now uh the five letter thing wordle yeah yeah wordle it's like you know the, the wordle is a good example because wordle is very much like magic you're you are doing a sort of math exclusion with 26 characters but an infinite number of words, right? That your and your brain is doing mm -hmm. this, and you feel suddenly like you're inside it, right? And so where you go, well, that has to, there has to be a vowel here. My brain tells me I know enough to know there has to be a vowel here, right? And uh, and it can't be this one because there aren't there be two A's in a row or whatever. Um, It'd be really weird if there is not a vowel here. <laughs> well, they they play <laughs> they play with that stuff pretty good. It's but uh, but yeah. So cozy mysteries, I think, for the most part, are. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not. I, I read the ones that have a lot of blood in them myself. So, uh, well, yeah. I, I was going to say, do you think do you think your history as a nurse prepared you to love gore? Um, I mean, I think I loved gore before I was a nurse. Uh, oh, oh, it drew you. <laughs> okay, so that's why okay. I got into the profession your, your, to your begin penchant, with. Your penchant for murder on the written page drew you to the medical field. Um, no, <laughs> some call it bloodlust. I, I think I think it enabled me to to you know to do the work although i worked in psych nursing where there's a lot less blood you know uh but uh well emotional scarring it's, the, it's it's called the caring profession or it's one of the caring professions yeah, and yeah. i wanted to help people because i had been helped myself yes yes because you're so are you sober um actually right now i am but i'm not in any kind of program or anything i uh you know i haven't i i've been sort of taking it real easy but no i'm not uh i you know okay yeah, no I, I'm, I'm not i'm not uh i'm, I'm not working 12 steps or anything Sure, mm. I like ta I like taking it easy. My co-host could take it easy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but I, the thing is, like, on in July, I was halfway down a beer, and I said, "I'm not enjoying this." And that was the last alcoholic drink I've had since then. You know, it's like, yeah, so, you're just like, I don't, I'm not feeling this right now. Well, you just, guys are a lot younger it. than I am, so like, I'm 56, right? Well, not not as not as a lot younger yeah. is is being generous, but yeah, yeah, we're we're we are younger technically. Well, so over on this side of 50 of 50. Uh, a good night's sleep becomes a more and more precious commodity, mm -hmm. right? It's like you really start to appreciate it. And I remember my dad being like this. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing my dad have a conversation when he would take me to movies when I was like 10. And he would say, hey, man, I had, I'd hear him say to one of his friends, like, hey, I had John for the last week and, and he, he likes to see the movies and I'll take him and I will catch a 15 minute nap in the movie and it's the best thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I, yeah. And I would be like, dad, you're, you know, you're missing. How can you even say you saw the movie if you fell asleep for 15 minutes of it? But now I can groove to that idea. <laughs> 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 very, I get it now, you know? Uh, so, uh, well, I've, I've always, I've always talked about this. I've, I've been a fan of, of movie theater napping, uh, even in my younger days. And I, there, I, I think there's something about 
the fact that you're paying money to go intentionally not watch a movie and in in fact use that movie as a sleep aid yeah. there's something there's something so pure about it where it's just like yeah I'm I'm going to do this. No, I think it's great. Do you ever use the airport sleep pods? You ever done that? No, I've, you know, I'm interested in this though. You're saying when you have a layover and you pop in for 30 and take a little nap for 50 bucks and then head to your gate. Yeah. I can never bring myself to spend the money on it. It's like, you look at it, it's always just a little past the price point of where I'm going to be comfortable. Because what if I don't, what if I just go in and look at my phone? Sure, right? sure, well, could, sure. What, could, what's the I investment? I could do that on the concourse. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to pay somebody for that. I mean, that's how everything at the airport is though. It's like, I need this water, so I'm just going to pay $8 when I know it costs 4 on the outside. Oh, it's so insulting. You know, so I, so I, 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 I really resent this. I, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> the, jacking the prices up is is classic American capitalism, and I have to say that I'm I'm so used to it now that I, I don't let it bother me. But yes, it, it's a problem. Yeah, but it's like so... I mean, one, we're in this real state of acceleration about it. Everybody's commenting on it. You know, It's like people mm-hmm. people really seem to have been able to have their the price points pushed right and, yeah, yeah. You know, but especially at the airport what's insulting about the airport is that you've got me by the balls right i can't leave mm-hmm. right i can't i can't go outside you don't have any actual competition <laughs> so no it's so amazing that's not actually so that's not i mean the thing is that is real capitalism but it's not the type that they sell you where they say oh, well capitalism is a free market and people won't buy it <laughs> well the airport is the opposite of that the airport is 100 percent price fixing if you're making me buy aquafina that ain't we ain't cool that ain't cool <laughs> that's, right. that's and, totally that, strong and, agree, and the fact that agree. they have you by the balls is is why we're so angry about it because they're like yeah you're gonna drink the aquafina what do you not gonna do that and you're like you're right there's nothing i can do fuck you airport no totally if you're in there with a layover it's like really it's brutal and and yeah and it's not as bad globally no right it's like they they do the same thing in every country that i know of but they don't gouge you nearly as hard as in u.s airports they really you get the impression there was a meeting at some point where a bunch of guys went these people will pay anything, man. Check yeah, it out. Let's, let's see what we. Let's see how far we can Snickers. do it. Let's see if we can do five dollars for <laughs> Snickers, and they five will. Five for Snickers. <laughs> who can do it? St. Louis. Let's see who's first. Well, the problem is now we're like, yeah. I mean, you can't afford a Snickers <laughs> at any price, kind of thing. Well, I mean, the other thing is that people like people will plastic. brag like, yeah, I went out to dinner last night. It was only three hundred dollars. <laughs> no, like I ordered out for my family last night. I mean, I, you, I, where do you guys live? We well, New York and L.A. So we're we're okay, paying. So this will you guys will laugh, but like. <laughs> but I ordered dinner for four for my family. I said like sixty five bucks. I lived in the south. I was like, when did when did a simple What's your Chipotle order? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, sixty five for a family of four. See, that doesn't seem like much to you, but three years ago that that would have been a great deal and, it, and it's really I spent 65 oh, yeah. on valet in the last two days you know it's oh, not i'm not proud of it no but see that, I'm, I'm very cheap about this kind of thing a valet no i don't think so i can find a place to park you're gonna find a okay so you're gonna you're one of those guys you're gonna drive valet? i don't think i bet so. your kids love I can, that I can dad can we car. just take it to the front no way man okay <laughs> i mean there's probably i mean to be fair there's probably not a lot of valet establishments in durham i feel like there's a lot of parking there and that's part of the appeal yeah there's there's uh although parking is pretty hard downtown now we had this giant uh acceleration of real estate values over the last five years well, that's, so, that's good for you right so well yeah i mean the thing is everybody in durham this is a big subject in durham because like there was a sweet point where they were opening a lot of cool small places and it was super hip yeah. And then it got to be too much and they built a bunch of towers and mm-hmm. Yeah. A tale as old as time. No, it's, it happens in every city. That's in surprising America, to know. me. I feel like, you know, I, I mean, if cities don't make laws about like height of building, that's just gonna happen. You know, like I we talk about Charleston a lot just because I like it, but Charleston retained that. Like there's not skyscrapers. Yes. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and it does make something feel very, very different than, than well, when those are. Like Savannah up. where like that downtown feels so old yes. that that the town knows it's protecting something that might draw people to spend money, right? Yes, Durham, yeah, yeah. Let's take Durham's it back to the downtown point. <laughs> didn't have that. Durham's downtown kind of got abandoned toward the end of the seventies, and uh, and so when they went to rebuild, people weren't sentimental about it. Uh, yeah, but we do have. I mean, my local movie theater, my favorite place in the world, the Carolina Theater, is a nineteen twenty six theater that's still going real strong. That's great. Showing, uh, you know, mainly showing genre movies yeah. and stuff. It's it's the best. But is is Durham? Mm-hmm. Durham has a pretty rich musical history, correct? Oh yeah. The whole of North Carolina is pretty bonkers for musical history. Although, I always like first it had to be pointed out to me, and now I'm the one who points it out. I was like, there's a lot of amazing jazz musicians from North Carolina, 
all of them, as soon as they could get the fuck out of North Carolina, <laughs> went to <laughs> New York City. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Because uh, this was, you know, this was part of the Confederacy. It was, yeah. you know, it, it was not great to be glow- growing up black here in the 50s and 60s, you know, even into the 70s. Not. But uh, but there's also the music of the Piedmont, you know. Um, it's a... Uh, it's 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 its own thing. It's n- it's not East yeah. Tennessee. It's not uh, it's not West Virginia. It's it's its own thing. No, I, th- I think it's it's. Th- I mean, look, the South is a beautiful cornucopia. Is the but you <laughs> you never lived in New York or L.A. though, did you? Uh, no, I lived in Claremont, which is inland from L.A., thirty five miles. That's where I grew up. Oh, really? Where the Claremont colleges are? Yes, if you get on the ten uh, and uh, you go over Kellogg Hill and uh, and you get off at the Indian Hill Boulevard exit, that's where I'm from. <laughs> you know Kellogg Hill. <laughs> you know, right over, just right over that Kellogg hill, hill that we all know. Wow, well, that's Kellogg cool. is where it's, it's right around Forest Lawn Cemetery. You know Forest Lawn. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, Forest Lawn's a big part of this show. So, <laughs> um, well, I, I live I live by the one uh, kind of more Burbanky glendale okay but then yeah, there's yeah. there's one yeah further east over there i didn't so you're but when you 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 grew up there and and when did you leave not to get marini uh in 1995 when i was 28 oh, okay were you a member of the orange Damn. county hardcore straight edge scene no i saw social distortion a bunch of times uh but okay. uh, <laughs> i bet you did i bet you did california's sons but that was at uh at the pomona valley auditorium is where the punk shows were happening in the in the early mm-hmm. 80s uh, i saw the minutemen i saw 45 grave i saw social distortion um green on red who wasn't punk but that was when things were changing a little bit um mm-hmm. and uh and so yeah but o- the oc scene was sort of legendarily violent at that time yeah that's right you, you don't seem like a you don't seem like a pit boss no i like to get in the pit although i think i've probably done my <laughs> last pit but uh you like to get in the pit when's the last pit though it's got to be 10 years um when was the decibel thing it was probably about 10 years ago i i introduced um uh evoking at, at the decibel five-year party i think and i got in the the municipal waste pit briefly at that one and i on the repulsion oh, wow. also repulsion uh, played and they were completely amazing i got in the pit there before that i know it was 2007 that's when i was 40 and i remember going you need to stop doing this because i took a knee right and if you take a knee in the pit at the age of 40 a week later you say wow when i was younger I healed a lot faster. Sure. You, you realize some <laughs> things about the human body that maybe you hadn't processed before. Oh, it's brutal. It's it's awful. It's because I don't know if you know this. I was doing distance running until recently. And as soon as I started to get little injuries, it just doesn't fix itself. It's so funny because I didn't know that, but you really do strike me as a distance runner now that we've talked for a little bit and I know what you look like. How, how are we doing like ultra marathons? Or are we going like how crazy? No, no. I never even got to my first marathon. Um, I got into running very late. Uh, and I was booked to run a marathon. I was up to 20 miles and I started to get some glutes some piriformis stuff. And I said, well, don't, everybody says, don't run the race and hurt yourself. You know, think about the long game. Mm-hmm. So I did. Now I wish I just run it because I never got better. The glute got a little better and my left <laughs> Achilles started to act up and it hurts right now. It hurts every what day. What are you doing to, to, are we doing some acupuncture, just some stretching? I got a lot of physical therapy. I got a lot of, I mean... I've done everything there is to do except surgery, you know, and, mm. uh, and when you get surgery, that's you only surgery doesn't get you back on the road. Surgery is when you're in, in extreme agony, you know, and, and I'm not yeah. that it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a three. What kind of it. footwear, <laughs> what are you rocking on stage? Are you have, are you just put the hokas on now or do you, or you can wear your boots? Um, no, I won't go on stage in sneakers. This Good. is sort of a policy Good. with me. Uh, so I wear dress, I wear dress shoes. I used to play barefoot. I did that for about Classic. five years. Um, but, uh, but other than that, I wear dress shoes. The ones I wear now are kind of cushioned. Uh, <laughs> we'll never tell. I find that a little embarrassing because I was wearing like really super punishing shoes. But. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I, yeah, I don't think, I remember seeing the Rolling Stones and like looking down at Mick Jagger's feet and being like, this motherfucker's wearing Air Max, I'm pretty sure. Like, it's, yeah, I won't do that. I, I can't. I, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think it's I think it's inappropriate, uh, especially considering the, the style of music that you play. Right, when you guys are still kicking and punching at 86, then we'll see... If you're singing a different tune, okay. No, that, I'll probably go true. back. I'll I'll sit down most likely. I I did the first five years of touring in a chair. You know, I only stood up when we got a drummer. So, uh, <laughs> I had to stand up when we got a drummer. Yeah, it's like, the good I old mean, days. <laughs> do you like the sit- now? The sitting down is like that's a real move. I mean, I, I guess your fans are probably pretty respectful. Well, I didn't really think about it at the time. It was just that, like, sort of that was how I played. I started an open mic night where everybody was sitting down. Uh, oh, okay. But the other thing is. I don't know about anybody else, but I play better sitting down. Once you're standing up, it's like your your brain has to control more stuff, right? 
uh, yeah. in a chair. You got to worry about not falling over. Yeah, well, you, you, gotta, <laughs> you have to look out for cords and cables. You have to be aware of your position in space. You know, uh, mm-hmm. sitting in a chair, really nothing matters except your arms and your head, right? And so, uh, yeah. so, so yeah, I noticed this. Listening I mean, in a chair is often better as well. So, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm recording, I'm not standing up, I'm sitting, uh, and, uh, and so is everybody else. <laughs> That's, yeah, you know, sure. There's, there's no reason to stand. But, uh, but, but the thing is, my, my, after I stood up, I was like, look, all these people paid to get in and they're standing up. It's kind of not fair mm-hmm. if I get to sit down at that point. That's it. That's, that's a that's very, nice that's very, you. yeah, that's very nice of you. Cause I would say the opposite. Like you paid to see me. I'll do whatever the fuck I feel like. Oh no, no. I, I feel a real sense of responsibility <laughs> to my audience. They, I mean, to me, they don't have to pay to see me. There's a lot of stuff people could do, you know? Uh, and so, that's true. so I, you know, I take a great deal of pride in hopefully providing more value than they expected to get uh and uh and like you know we put out but your audience i feel like you you have a very very dedicated audience that's been with you for for quite a long time so i'm sure the relationship we is do, strong but i hope i've earned that yeah, and yeah i hope i continue to earn it you know it's like I, I we really we take a great deal of pride in in trying to provide something that you can't get from other bands right uh and uh and that and it takes you someplace you get something transcendent out of it I hope. are you yeah. playing are you playing long or is it just you know a, a kind of hour hour and a half it's like 90 minutes in the set about and then the encore is open i don't script my encores because i'm not an asshole uh <laughs> sure <laughs> sure sure you don't save the hits for the encore come on well some of them you know it's like there's there's uh if you do all the hits in the set you sort of don't have any anything to, to pull out but uh at the end you know it's like you mm-hmm. want to usually want to close on you know last or second to last you want one of your bigger numbers so we don't yeah i'll save one uh or even two you know to keep it in the in the chamber there but uh but uh but yeah the set runs around 90 minutes the encore could go as long as as it feels like it needs to i like that mm-hmm. uh, i mean i think th- you're done when you're done yeah 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 it's like it, you you can feel it it's it's uh it's it's a uh, and that's the, that's what makes the encore a really fun part it's i'm a grateful dead fan it's like if you don't know where it's going to go and how it's going to get there that's exciting it keeps you it keeps you there till the end at least were you a dead guy growing up or is this as an adult oh no same as with reggae i could not stand the dead uh, when i was in high school I, uh uh i it's one of those things that i hated it for a long time and then i decided to look harder at it and then i got really super into you it. know i i don't like it at all you're, you're making getting older yeah a little more exciting I gotta yeah say. I, I think it's i think the maturity to be like maybe i should just look at this harder and make a more informed decision as an adult uh, feels like something I should apply to a lot of things in my life. Well, I mean, for me, it's an effective, I mean, it's something I, I'm always trying to do because I don't, you know, when I think about my younger self who was really largely defined by a lot of stuff I didn't like, I'm embarrassed by that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't, who cares what I don't like? I'm not, I, I don't, as, as a grown up, I'm like, why would I waste a lot of time? And people say, well, you know, you can say, say funnier things if you're hating on stuff. I don't really know if that's true, especially in the age of social media, you know, other people can do that, and there's plenty of it. A little goes a very long way. <laughs> I, I just don't have the time, yeah. space on my plate to, to spend my energy doing that. And I also assume, like even with stuff that I haven't, you know, like fish, I, I haven't been able to get into fish, right? But but I'm not going to hate on them because I can see that they bring a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. So, you know, so trying to find a way of understanding that pleasure strikes me as like, you know, one of my jobs as a human being is to understand the breadth of what brings human beings pleasure you, know? you taking notes chris yeah i know honestly i am the because the, fish and grateful dead are two things that i i kind of feel that like i'm like i don't want to listen to this but i do understand that it's what it is for a reason and you respect it, it. Yeah, yeah and it's like obviously they're they've had incredible success they, they're prolific you know like and but i also think people i think it more than other genres or maybe other bands i feel like people really use it as like a community and like an escape in a way that i think music can be but i think particularly that that genre and that style of touring and those three or four hour sets really lend themselves to that but it's like what i was saying with magic that's one of the things that makes the dead and fish and who else gets followed around i think ween actually has a contingent like this ween's turned into that that uh you know it's not just about this one thing, right? And actually, yeah. in Mountain Goat's fandom, there's not, you know, obviously we're nowhere near that level, but but there are people who, like, they know my music well. Mm-hmm. They know what to expect from a show, but they're also showing up to be with each other. Yeah, you know, totally. To see each other, to revisit, and to catch up, you know? And, and that's really cool if you can make a thing that has multiple ways of enjoyment, mm. right? Uh, 
that, that you know it's not just about you know going and, and receiving passively music but participating in in something communal that you can't get elsewhere yeah i mean they and they but they do there was it was amazing we did these live stream shows during pandemic and in the chat box while that was going on they were meeting up and they hadn't seen each other in nine months and they were going wild they were like, it's like oh they were my God, sucking and fucking all over this country <laughs> it was it was such a blessing to see it was so that's cool. amazing that's yeah. really cool. i mean that's what it boils down to it's like if i could find a person who is into this one weird fucking thing that means we're probability is is quite high that we're going to get along yeah no it's good to, and, and in a very unique way well i mean and that's one of those hippie things is like if everybody were to understand you know that that there aren't any human beings on the planet with whom you don't have at least one thing that you both really enjoy in about the same way mm. uh it would be easier to live in harmony right but i mean obviously it's that's all a vast Big oversimplification biz. because there are real political questions and stuff but we don't think about those man <laughs> Yeah, but you have to. But, no. but like but the beginning of ending that is to really understand the super basic contention that the only difference between you and any other human being is cosmetic, right? It's like there's no, mm. you know, you're exactly the same. To any god from another planet, none of you look any different. <laughs> it's like, it's like we all have look, the same size dog in us. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this dog has longer hair. That, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this dog <laughs> has a beard. <laughs> um, John, Thank you for joining us on How Long Gone. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. I hope it was okay. Like I warned you, I talked too much. But uh... no, no, John. No, honestly, you're you're a pro, and um, it's always great to talk to someone who's lived life, but also has a lot of interests. I think that that's something that that we're that we we don't see as much of anymore. And as a podcast producer, I'd much rather have somebody who loves the sound of their own voice instead of somebody who doesn't know how to use it or is afraid to use it. Yeah, the thing is, I've always, when you hear about those interview subjects, you go, oh, wow, that guy, he's got discipline. They asked him a question, and he no, just sat no. there. <laughs> it's like, there's something very, it's sort of like a crazy picture, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, wow, that guy just sat there and waited a full minute, and then, I got and then all gave you an maybe. <laughs> well, it, it, it gives you something to aspire to, I suppose. Yeah, the, the I can't do it. I've tried to modify my Yeah, my you've been doing this for thing. too long. This is who you are, and that's well, I no, think it's good. Thing. It's I like, think it's good. It's one thing that makes me different as an interview subject is you get 100% of me. No matter who you are, you get me. Yeah. So You leave it all on the table. That's and right. we love you for it. We love Bye. it. You're kind. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Sorry.